0: Hey, hey, hey. Wow, this is an unusual broadcast. It's 7.45 p.m. in the evening, July 10th. And it's unusual because it's July 10th in Phoenix, Arizona at 7.45. And we had some rain, rain. So it dropped the temperature to 79 degrees. This is one of the few podcasts that just discusses the weather not as a segment just as a continual theme (laughs) it's a a continual theme the temperature but you know you gotta i'm in the mood this is what gets me in the mood so yeah and this is uh we had a what they call a monsoon weather starts now monsoon that's where we get these rains so rain came in dropped the temperature to 79 85 humidity which is unusual so we the skies are still a little bit light and it looks like it might get some more rain later on but bud is out we're out walking he's enjoying it didn't have to get wet I didn't have to dip myself in the pool either and dipping myself wouldn't do any good with 85% humidity so there you go folks so we're walking down the street and there's a little bit of we had some wash some water rolled down and wash things away there's leaves and a few extra places but basically this is the desert so there's not a lot of vegetation or plant plants and there so there you go so it's a damp night and the other odd thing about the temperature I just looked I never noticed this before at least like in this this type of situation it's actually the the temperature now from now eight o'clock at night to midnight is actually going to go from 79 to 85. (laughs) i think that's really weird right i mean the sun's down it's 79 so why should it get warmer between now and midnight but probably has something to do with um winds and now that the rain's gone, maybe it'll dry out and get warmer. Stuff like that. All that interesting stuff. Garbage cans got blown over from the wind. It's uh, Monday, so we, we do our garbage cans on Monday. And, uh, yeah. So today was the first day of chemotherapy. So And, unfortunately, unless... It's, a, it's one of these things that unless you experience it, you really don't recognize it. And uh, so, I, yeah, I learned stuff, right? You learn. So what does chemotherapy mean? We think we know, but we do not know until so you go through it. So, so you get all these drugs for like three hours, maybe two and a half, that are just like prepping drugs, like anti-nausea drugs. There was even a, I learned that there's a short-term anti-nausea drug. And a little bit longer term anti-nausea drug that one's like for the next six to 12 hours or so or 24 hours. And then the long term anti-nausea drug is for five to seven days. So apparently this stuff's really nasty. And uh, um, so you do two and a half hours of prep. And then the last 10 minutes is when they actually put the chemotherapy part that's going to kill the cancer cells in your body and the wife did great no problems no worries and you're sitting in lounge chairs there's a whole bunch of people in there um, you know probably like there was like 10 or 15 people and uh probably statistically it's weird but it there seemed like there was 80 of them were women there's a few men not many But uh, so yeah, maybe cancer is a woman's thing. And I don't know, the listener can Google it. I'm walking the dog, so I'm not gonna Google it. And again, statistics, right? What (laughs) influential speakers who wanna influence you a certain way will pull out statistics to try to to influence you. And if you put your brain in neutral, you will be influenced. So, don't put your brain in neutral, folks. Question everything. So, I don't know, my voice, I, it's kind of wearing out. I don't know, I didn't really talk a lot today, but I feel like I'm raspy. Maybe it's the humidity. I got a little bit of extra rasp, rasp in my voice. <clears throat> and i uh, got to clear my throat. And Alma's back. Alma is back in the house. We, and we had the sister, my wife's sister, came over. It's unusual. We haven't seen her. She doesn't live that far away, really, like 20, 25 minutes. And uh, younger sister, eight years. She actually had pretty nasty breast cancer 14 years ago. I've lost track of time. And she, I asked her. It was 14 years ago. She had pretty nasty uh, breast cancer and uh but that was nice of her to come over she's got two kids that are must be like 16 and 18. and uh yeah family dynamics she's a really nice sister but you know the husband's a little different yeah i'm sure he's a great guy in his own way (laughs) that's right i did talk about him his name's mike too and like I said, the Oma's got two son-in-laws. That's all she's got. Two daughters, two son-in-laws named Mike. And Mike is her favorite son-in-law. This is Which Mike is it? So, there you go. There you go. This, this, this kind of podcast is dangerously close to getting me in trouble. But um, I don't need to go there. Maybe I'm maturing. That's a good sign. Don't don't uh, don't have to win every battle, right? That's maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the love everybody always philosophy. Don't need to win arguments, man. When you're younger, folks, if you're 25, 35, you probably can't relate to this, because everything seems so damn important, and you know, you got to win the arguments. And uh, maybe I don't know, maybe it's the testosterone or something. I don't know. I don't know. I. Weighed in this morning. I was happy. I um, hadn't really gained any weight, so maybe my workouts and building a little bit of muscle. I can't, couldn't possibly have built that much muscle yet. But I'm heading in the right direction, and I like that. like that. And I might even uh, um, go for a run tomorrow morning because it's, if it's, it's going to get 85 at midnight, but. I think it might cool back down to 79 in the morning, in which case running at 79 is not too bad, even though it's probably still going to be high humidity. But yeah, this is a one-day respite, probably, unless it rains again. But these these are uh, unusual Arizona days, and I guess it's a nature shows you that. Uh, You know, we make so many damn assumptions about stuff, right? Like, Arizona, it's hot in the summer. I'm getting a cool breeze right now, folks. I mean, this is really comfy. It's wet, but it's not bad. And it's not normal. So it's a little bit of uh, changing things up. Change things up in your life. So, uh, yeah, so often it's just the grind, grind, grind. And I noticed on a, um, I, I scheduled an appointment at 9 this morning. I was in trouble because I didn't I didn't pick up on my calendar that I had a work team, once-a-month team call at uh, 8. And it was scheduled for 90 minutes, and I wasn't expecting it to go that long. So I, I did the uh, 2018 kind of a modern-time cell phone head earbud thing, mute on your phone tricks where you kind of, there's like 15 people on the phone from all over the country, maybe some in Europe, I don't know if the guy's dialed in from Europe or not, and uh, listened, and uh, yeah, and I'm in a new company, It's it actually feels like grace. A spiritual thing, a spiritual concept, normally grace, is happening in my work. And I really like it. (laughs) I'm thinking, man, when I was younger, I was always stressed out, trying to like, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? And just so, zuferlesig is the German word for it. Zuferlesig. It's like, um, just, there's probably other good German words for it too. But suferlasic, what is that, baby? Suferlasic. It's like flight and fleissig. Fleissig. It's like you're just a hard worker. Get down to it. Oma's like that. Yeah, we had a good talk about Oma's work habits. She's just, uh, I guess I don't like that OCD term, but whatever. People use it. She just, like, wants to clean everything all the time. She's always got to be busy cleaning. Um so uh yeah grace in the workplace i just feel good about it and hopefully i I can keep experiencing the grace and uh move forward so i think there's some good things here i gotta be uh because i was i took care of some critical things on monday so mondays they for because basically my job is a networking job communicating calling people And so, and a lot of times the people I need to talk to, what we're, our service that we provide, which is manufacturing stuff for them, we, the stuff that they need to buy from us is not like the most critical item that they need, but they still need it. So it's still important. And... So it's all about manufacturing and they usually have other problems, you know, but people try to specialize and say, well, we're focused on electronics. So even though it's an airplane and airplanes don't really fly based on electronics, electronics are used to navigate, help the plane, help fly the plane, keep the plane safe. You know, But it's the mechanical stuff. Like the, the turbine engines that are putting out the power and the wings, which are static. The, the wings don't move in a fixed wing. That's what they call that. They call things a fixed wing airplane because the wings are just hanging out there. And as opposed to a rotary wing aircraft. A rotary wing is more commonly called a helicopter and uh, the German word is Hubschrauber. 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 Schraube is like, that. almost sounds like that, flip, 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 flip. that's kind of like, sounds like a schraube, <laughs> just to just to, like, be a little jingoistic with the German language. There's, that's kind of a cool sound. Jingoistic German. Oh, man. Where was I? Yeah, Grace. So Mondays are a little bit... You, you don't want to call, like, somebody you want to develop a relationship with, call them, get a hold of them, set up a meeting. If you do it Monday morning at 9, like, most of these people are, like, normal jobs. They, they enjoy their weekend and then... Some of them are in real big companies, and they're just part of the cog in the machine, right? So, yeah, I guess I've been a cog in the machine for a long time. (laughs) So, depending on the person's position and where they're at, they more than likely, the majority of people come in Monday morning, and they're they're focused on their immediate, like, okay, just been off for two days what's going on? What do I catch up? So they don't want a phone call from a salesman's or business development executive, right? That, that says, hey, uh, let's talk about your circuit boards on Monday morning at 830. Because uh, we're not the most important thing in their lives. I mean, there are some people that it is the most important thing, but until I get to know who those people are, I don't I want to try to call them 8.30 on Monday morning. So it's just a natural rhythm. And it works also for job networking if you're looking to talk to somebody about a job if you're unemployed, which really sucks being unemployed. But maybe it's a rite of passage, a passage in life. And uh, so you want to make contact with people and set up meetings too. But again, you don't want to call uh, call people Mondays because they're just getting their themselves back-oriented to their jobs, to their work. And depending on the person, you know, they don't, they're like someone, that, especially someone that's never been out of a job, they're kind of like, if you call them, they're like, you're not, you, you lost your job? What? You got laid off? Well, what's wrong with you? You know. <laughs> so, and they're like, I really don't want to take this call right now. I want to get back. I got, I got stuff to do. I got to go to a meeting. I got to do a PowerPoint, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, unless you're talking to people that are more mature or whatever, just play it by ear. You, just, you never know. There's no hard and fast rules, but generally Generally, Monday's not a great networking, connect time for <clears throat> people you're doing business with. And probably the entre- entrepreneurial people, again, it's a similar thing. If they're, if you're entrepreneurial, if you're entrepreneur, entrepreneurial business, it was more than likely has some kind of customer, right, that wants your service. Um, probably Mondays don't work real well for that either, for reaching out to new people. But do what you want. That's better, always do what you think is best. That's uh, that's a good thing. So what else, what else? Walking around in the desert, the rain brings out a desert smell too. It's like, it gets the the few plants that we have that look like torched bushes (laughs) (laughs) which, of course, makes people think of Moses, right? At least me. Moses, the burning bush. That's what we find out in the desert for the most part. But when it rains, all all the plant stuff gets mixed together on the dirt, stones. And then you get this aroma, desert aroma. And a lot of the trees have their own bushes. They have interesting scents to them. Mostly pleasant, I'd say. Ah, breathe in deep. 85% humidity, very rare. Because remember, we're like very dry is like 4 or 5%, which rarely see that. But quite often we're like 9, 10, 11, 12% humidity, dry. So your nose, I'm sure there's some medical guru specialist on the nose. I think it's called OO factors or something like that. The nose probably does behave differently with moist air, air that um, has a high concentration of water vapor in it. And the water vapor probably does stick to your um, nostril, follicles, whatever you got going on there. And, uh, yeah, hey, someone on a bike. When it's 100, 105, 25 degrees warmer, people aren't on bikes too often out here. So this is a a day of wonder, a day of wonder. It rained, it rained in Arizona. It dropped the temperature, it's wonderful. You know, but what's that? Why do I feel a little bit damp? Why do I? feel that so yeah so the my wife's sister came over and home was back so the the three family members were together the three of them get along well but it's just the husbands are screw things up sort of (laughs) you you can you can figure out which mike screws things up oh anyway so, there you go. So, yeah, I was haven't seen her in a long time. I don't think she's been anywhere to our house in, I don't know, 10 years or something. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you cancer. It was a, a gal sitting across the way, and she's like a week ahead. Or one treatment ahead of Christine so might see her again and people just doing their cancer thing. So Bud you're going to, should we go try going through the wash which is normally dry I can't believe there's real water in it even though we had a little rain but it wasn't that um, heavy of a downpour actually so it's probably going to be okay and I really don't care to walk a whole lot so I think I shall walk over here and um yeah I I have this I'm learning the side hustle thing right so there there's a uh, interesting aerospace aviation thing that I really enjoyed um, talking to about this guy in Reno Nevada it's just fun. I mean, I don't know if I'll I mean I'm used to working one job and getting all my income from one job. But really I like this idea of having multiple streams of income and not just streams, right? Like stream stream. <laughs> Usually people think of like passive investments, you know. Buy some rental property and get get that income. But it's that that's not that interesting. It's like I've had a rental house, and she wasn't supposed to have cats. She asked if she could have a dog, and I said yes. Then she brought a cat, and the cat peed on all the new carpet. So that was a disaster. But for four years, it got me by until the real estate market kind of came back a minuscule amount. But that was helpful. But so, yeah, I did the landlord renting thing. It can, it can be okay, it actually can be quite good if you focus on it, so to speak. But um, this side hustle is like amazingly fun because it's, it's corporate jet people, <laughs> which, which I love my experience with corporate jets. So I I'm basically started my career in engineering of engines for corporate jets, aircraft private aircraft very niche different kind of world but it's these engines are expensive to develop and so then they stick around forever and uh, coincidentally for you you fans of the that love the military and defense there's this um, company in San Diego called General Atomics now they they're a bit goofy because just by their name And their main product is this thing called the reaper, reaper, MQ-9 reaper, which is a drone. So whenever you hear about the drones in the Middle East dropping big bombs, there is only one drone that can do that, which is the reaper. Doesn't that sound ominous, the reaper? (laughs) Well, it turns out it was, uh, I think his name is... Ziggy something, some German engineer got hooked up with these guys in San Diego and they, they thought they were going to do like service of Navy nuclear ships and so the atomics part of it comes from that. So they branded themselves General Atomics not knowing where the business was going to go and, uh, and I, I don't have the whole story. Come on, I mean, I'm just walking my dog, right? There's no prep in this. I'm just thinking about it. So uh, the engine on the Reaper is a TPE, Turbo Prop Engine, branded TPE 331 from, like, the 1970s. Okay. So there's a company in Phoenix, Arizona, which I eventually worked for, but they started their name out as Garrett. Um, turbine Engine Company or Garrett. Some guy named Garrett in 1949. From California, moved to Arizona. Did some aerospace, entrepreneurial stuff. Eventually he was making engines for small planes and things. So it turns out the designers in San Diego, they're going to make this drone reaper thing like, 15 years ago, and they actually want to make everything themselves. They were kind of goofy. The German guy's like, well, we oh don't, we, don't we don't want to buy stuff from people, you know. And they go, what, what is it? We, we can make an engine. We can make our own aircraft engine, right? Then they realize how dumb it would be for them to try to make their own engine. So they ended up buying this old design, but it was perfect for them. It was like a 900-horsepower engine, and it was just what they needed. So why mess with it? Why, why spend millions of dollars to make an engine for this funky drone ship that they didn't know was going to go anywhere? But it did, so it was really popular. So I think they sold like five, 600 of them. They're still selling uh, that drone, the Reaper. It's the best drone in the world well payload wise anyways and some other companies are coming along so you you can be first to market with something but then um, especially a military they're like well who else can make a um, drone so now northrop grumman has a mq4 so mq is some kind of military designation for drones so you have the mq9 is the Reaper and MQ4? Is this Northrop Grumman Titan? I think I want to say. I'll have to look it up. Google it. MQ4 Titan. And oh, by the way, a trick is to put wiki in the end of it. So, like, if you're going to Google Reaper, do Reaper wiki w i k i, then you'll get a, you'll get taken right to the Wikipedia page. And I usually go right down to the specs down at the bottom of the page, and you can see. Whose engine's on there? Who's got the engine? So, on this of Grumman is Rolls-Royce Indianapolis, which is a whole nother story. I'm too close to home to give you the whole Rolls-Royce Indy story, but essentially, the short version is, it was originally called Allison Gas Turbines Engine Company, owned by General Motors. And they did military engines and um, then the General Motors said, this is stupid. Why are we in the aircraft engine, helicopter engine business? So they sold it to Rolls-Royce in the UK. So now Rolls-Royce had an American company so they could sell their stuff easier to American military and stuff. Plus, they basically just improved or made some of the improvements that invested in existing product. So They've done well in Indianapolis. Not a great place to live, but it's one of the few places if you want to do gas turbine engines for aircraft. You got the Rolls-Royce RR250, which was just an Allison 250 on a Bell 407 helicopter. Lots of those made. And um, they also have the Osprey Osprey engines with the Liberty engines, which are like an AE, I don't know, 2009 C engine or something crazy like that. But basically that's the tilt rotor, the Boeing... Boeing Bell tilt rotor that, um, I think it's an MH-22. The Marines fly them, the Army has some, I think even the Air Force. But that that is a tricky airplane because basically they have these huge props on them because they're gonna tilt it and it'll turn into like a helicopter mode. So it switches from, um, rotary wing flight, like a helicopter, and tilts into fixed wing flight, which is uh, where they, they look like turboprops. And the nice thing about that is is you, helicopters are really hard to get to fly at more than, let's say, 150 knots, which are roughly that would be like 170 miles or something, ground speed. So helicopters are great for vertical lift landing in tough spots but their range isn't that great because they're slow so you're gonna run out of fuel so the Osprey design is it uh, when those tilts you you basically use it vertical takeoff and then when you want to travel distance you tilt the rotors down And then you're probably going like 260 knots or close to 300 knots get to where you want to go and then the tricky part is like how do you transition from um, horizontal flight or fixed wing operation then you gotta slow down i imagine and i'm sure the pilots have a lot of fun with that um and get it into vertical mode so, yeah, that transition is probably really dangerous because you're using the wings, fixed wings for lift, and then you're switching to the rotary props. So how do I have to get on that? Just the, the engines? Well, I forget where I got. We start, I was thinking about engines being around forever and um, reusing them and things like that. I don't know. Oh, I also sent a note on LinkedIn to the uh, U.S. ambassador to Germany now. His his name is Richard Grinnell, and uh, he used to be on TV as a commentator. And uh, uh, like my, my favorite short guy, Greg Gutfeld, would have him on a show. Yeah, he's a pretty clever guy. Grinnell, he wasn't trying to be funny or anything. He was pretty serious about stuff. And I really don't know a whole lot about his background, but I was kind of surprised that Trump picked him to be the um, German ambassador. And it took a while. like It was only like less than four to six months ago that he was finally approved to go and be that. And I really don't know what his connection is because Grinnell sounds like English name to me, but... Yeah, I thought, well, let me look him up on LinkedIn. He's living in Berlin right now, because that's where the American embassy is. They rebuilt it right on the east side of uh, the Brandenburg Gate. So originally, just east of the Brandenburg Gate is Unter den Lindenstrasse. And that is, um, was the main drag with all the embassies like the Russian embassy, the American embassy, the French embassy, they were all along Unter den Linden, which is east of the Brandenburg Gate. So when the World War II ended and they divided Berlin, Unter den Linden was um, shut off. It was communist Russian zone. So the Soviet embassy continued on. <laughs> but but uh, they just kind of left the destroyed stuff. Because I think the American embassy was pretty much blown apart same with the french so when the wall came down the americans rebuilt their embassy and a great i mean it's where it was originally and that place is called pariser Platz, pariser Platz, like paris and um there's also a famous hotel there called the adlan hotel they rebuilt that and that's beautiful as well great history there and then they have the jewish Um, Holocaust Museum just a block away towards the south of that so that's really cool stuff to see and uh, yeah so Richard Grinnell I sent him a LinkedIn request and also a in-mail because yeah I thought he seems like a pretty cool guy and I told him I was nightish I'm envious that he's the uh, U.S. ambassador to Germany and I'm not you know how come I, I didn't have the connections with Trump or something to, to get to be the ambassador so but that's cool you know You know, maybe someday maybe I can get, get sucked in I'll, I'll work this guy over and uh, send him emails like July 20th is coming up so it's already the 10th. So 10 days from now is the famous Klaus Schenk von Stauffenberg attempt on assassinating Adolf Hitler in the, in the Wolfschanze in present day, Northeast Poland. So he flies out there with a bomb, sticks it under the table, Leaves the compound, flies back to Berlin. They supposed to kill Hitler and they were supposed to take over the German government in July of 1944. And that would have changed history. There would have been no, more than likely, there probably wouldn't have been a divided Germany because it would have ended the war before the Russians came in from the east and all that. But unfortunately, Hitler lived. So there was a street called the Bendlerstrasse. Bendler. So within 12 to 20 hours after the bomb went off, Stauffenberg made it back to Berlin. And there was a whole office of people trying to take over the city. It looked pretty impressive. They had a lot of people convinced that Hitler was dead, but he wasn't. So then when he got back on the phone, basically... The whole plot crumbled and they they got gunned down basically lined them up in this courtyard of this building and killed them all and that building is still there (coughs) and uh very moving experience to visit it and they renamed the street stauffenbergstrasse so klaus is one of my favorite guys and uh that's coming up in 10 days, so I don't know if Richard Grinnell, the ambassador, is going to write me back. But uh, I will send him a note and, uh, and get my friends in Berlin to, to kind of work with them and see if he can get invited to it. And Klaus's wife wrote a No, she didn't write a book. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Klaus's wife lived on a bit uh, dicey because she she was pregnant with a child when that happened. So of course Hitler wasn't too fond of what was going on. <laughs> you know, dictators usually look fondly don't look fondly upon assassination attempts. <laughs> so unfortunately, Klaus's wife from way down south of Germany got pulled into interrogations and everything. And she was um, let's see, she was pregnant with a daughter, soon to be daughter. So it was a bit dicey there, right? I mean he was, he had General Rommel who was a hero and, and the German army, he was given the opportunity to commit suicide because of his involvement. So he committed suicide. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people died because of that failed attempt. And uh, so we didn't know what was going to happen to old Klaus's uh, wife, right? I mean, he was the main main, main dude dropping the bomb. So Klaus drops a bomb, and... F- Unfortunately, Klaus's wife was not executed. And she gave birth to a daughter, and her daughter lived. And wrote a book about her her mother and father. And uh, it's in German, so I've tried reading it a few times. But uh, I usually fall asleep (laughs) because it takes a little extra energy to... uh, read in German. But maybe someone should translate that book. I'm sure it's an interesting read. And I'm sure if I translated it, I would actually have to read it and understand everything, which is not a bad, not a bad problem to have. And uh, so, she I think she's still alive. And I had an eerie when I lived in Berlin, and probably I don't know, '96 or something. The summer, might have been '96 or '97. The summer, you know, I was like, I was like, well, I don't know what's going on. It's Saturday. Hey, it's July 20th. Let me go down, check out. I was like, it would be take me 30 minutes to get there from my apartment, and that's just taking a subway and walking over. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I went to Bendlerstrasse or Staffelbergstrasse, walked in, and it was kind of a surreal experience because even though I don't really know what surreal means, <laughs> what what the, what does surreal really mean? So here's what happens: I walk into this courtyard. And there's all these folding tables set up on a cobblestone um, floor, and I'm looking around, and it's, it's actually called the, um, it's, they turned it into a museum, too. So it's a museum, and it's the Resistance Museum. It talks about all the different people that were resisting Hitler. They weren't very successful at it, but they did. And uh, so Klaus Schenker's, they, they, they have a celebration on the 20th of July, a solemn Celebration. I walk in. There's nobody there. I don't see anything. I might have been. Who knows? Maybe I was three hours early. Maybe I was three hours late. I don't know. It looked like nobody had been there. And the first. I think I was. I must have been early because on the front row there were all these little placards that said in German said uh, Reserviert for the Mitglieder, you know, the, the members of the museum. Right, And I thought, oh, this is cool. I'm going to take one of these things. (laughs) So so I thought, I'm going to take it. I'm here. I'm an American. I'm probably never, ever be back here again. So I'm going to take one of these babies. A little piece of paper, cardboard. Still have it. And it's great. So a member of the resistance. (laughs) You are talking to one of the... I should actually figure out how to become a member. I like that. Um. A real member, a, 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 a dollar, deutschmark, euro-paying member of the Widerstand Museum. That's it. Mitglieder der Widerstand Museum. And, uh, yeah, so, man, did I wander on that. But it's all good stuff. So, July 10th, ten more days. Richard Grudell, the ambassador, needs to have that experience. He doesn't know it. Maybe he's already had it. Maybe he is a member. Maybe he's related to Klaus Shank. I don't know. It is what it is. But there you go. You are talking to... I must be in a German mode the last couple of days. Because I think yesterday was talking about Angela Merkel and the coffee. So, yeah. And again, even most of you people don't really care about Germany you probably think they're all evil Nazi bastards, which I probably did, too, and I had influence by World War II movies. But I lived there five years, and it's very different than that. <laughs> Let's just say that it's not quite the way the World War II movies make it out to be. So, yeah, wonderful people and uh, great history. What a, what a challenging time. So, I don't know what I'm going to name this one now. I, I forgot where I went. I went all over the place on this one. And um, I might do Joe Jackson's Everything Gives You Cancer just for my wife. So, But there's a lot of Klaus Shank in there, too. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye.